Welcome to the IEEE Future Networks podcast series, Podcast with the Experts, an IEEE Future Directions Digital Studio production. In this episode, we hear from Brian Zonstecker, Chair of the Energy Efficiency Working Group for the International Network Generations Roadmap and Principal of PowerRocks. Brian speaks to a potentially fatal flaw lurking in the infrastructure supporting 5G deployment, the Utility Distribution Network. The 5G energy gap describes the uncertain ability of the utility grid to meet load energy requirements of potentially billions of devices while maintaining grid reliability. That said, energy harvesting solutions can supplement or even mitigate the multitude of tiny power requirements of systems where it matters most, at the edge. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for taking time to contribute to the IEEE Future Networks podcast series. Can you start by telling us about the 5G energy gap issue and why it's bringing a perfect storm to the juncture of telecoms and power? What I observe is a disconnect uh, in the industry, uh, particularly as all these uh, massive 5G networks are being deployed. Of um, <clears throat> excuse me, and the, and the disconnect is that um, you know all these tiny power devices uh, and things that are supposed to be out there, the you know many billions or even a trillion things um, have uh, a a much higher uh, what I call power cost factor, or essentially what is a multiplier. Um, on how much energy needs to be generated to support all these edge devices. And um, and so even though a lot of these things are supposed to be micro power devices, that when you talk about, you know, a, a, a factor of five to six orders of magnitude uh, of energy that has to be generated to support them, and then you multiply that by the sheer scale of these number of devices uh, that can be supported even by a, you know, uh, locally within a, you know, a region or a, whatever, a base station or whatever you want to call it, um, then it starts to really add up to be a highly disproportional demand on the actual utility grid um, and, and the power plant uh, to support the, the load of, of all these, you know, per- perceptively almost negligible amount of tiny power devices that are, that are on the edge of the network. And that disconnect between the tiny amount of power that – um, they're consuming, uh, you know, battery-powered devices and all at the edge um, versus how much has to be generated is what I'm referring to as the 5G energy gap. Um, now, there's also this question about, you know, the perfect storm. And um, where that really comes from is that, you know, I um, well, one nice thing about this issue is that um, a, a potential solution Right, is to actually supplement tiny bits of power on these tiny devices at the edge. And so that's where energy harvesting comes in. And that's, uh, you know, uh, has, has been a major focus area of mine for the past uh, six or so years. Um, and, and that's been kind of seen as a, more of an emerging type of, you know, nascent technology. And, um, and because of that, you know, finding its justification in the mainstream and real applications has been challenging for both a technical fit and a cost-benefit type of analysis. But now here with the 5G energy gap, we have a potential real issue. And now all of a sudden, energy harvesting is a great so- potential solution to that, that gap and that issue. Um, and so that's why I say kind of the perfect storm is, you know, the deployment of 5G, the massive uptake of, of IoT and, you know, 
IIoT, the Industrial uh, Internet of Things, and and all these uh, wearables and you know wireless sensor networks and little doohickeys and whatnot, um, combined with energy harvesting and that opportunity is 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 what I actually refer to as the perfect storm um, as I see it today. So would you say 5G is the first network deployment to impact the utility grid's ability to meet load energy requirements while maintaining grid reliability? So um, not directly to the best of my knowledge. Um, say, you know, if you're saying like, oh, did we see this with, you know, say 4G LTE or 3G or, you know, uh, previous uh, generations of deployments? Um, and I would say no, uh, because, and the main reason is that, um, you know, Nothing before was enabling just the sheer number of things um, that that would be touching the the edge of the network that that the network had to support. So, you know, before we're talking at most, we're talking like, you know, smartphones and things, especially in the the 4G, you know, 3G to 4G LTE era. um, And, you know, and and their streaming requirements and and whatnot, um, but not supporting a whole bunch of these, um, tiny power things uh, that that other um, you know especially lower power networks may have been supporting before. So there are even even in the cellular space um, there are things like um, you know like um, like LTE Cat Cat One. Um, there's one called Cat M uh, and NBIOT uh, narrowband IoT specific protocols to address. Uh, from a data perspective, to address all these uh, low power, low bandwidth, high latency devices, um, but there, we've never had an occasion or application or deployment of saying, well, what, you know, we could have, you know, ten thousand sensors or nodes or endpoints, um, you know, within a single spot, serviced by a single base station, and that's really the difference here. Now. Um, so, so there's no, I would say, direct precedent on, on for for uh, you know this energy gap that, that we talked about. Um, but I, what I always see is a very um, a very good analogy is is look at the the deployment of of PV right of of photovoltaics and solar in Germany. Um, I think we're talking maybe roughly ten years ago or so, uh, where the government really, you know, said, we'll subsidize this. We really need to make a, you know, a concerted effort to, to ensure there's high penetration of, of PV within, um, within the country and the consumers because it's a, a good thing to do. Um, and what they found out is, you know, they, they put the stuff out there too fast before uh, the energy grid was able to handle it. So in other words, um, you, you have a grid that was designed for unidirectional distribution and all of a sudden, you're putting all these solar points uh, at the endpoint that that are now turning into a bi-directional grid to feed some of that stuff back. And um, and because it it got deployed so fast before you know they were really kind of prepared for it or foresaw the uh, the impact of what happens of doing it too fast at scale on a, a grid that was not necessarily designed for it is they they saw massive rolling blackouts and um, and all kinds of grid stability issues. So to me, that's kind of the closest analogy and case study in something like this uh, that 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 we can learn from um, 
and that there is precedent for. Um, the only difference, and I believe the reason that the, the connection between the two hasn't been widely recognized, is, is, is again to the point about now we're talking about tiny power devices that, you know, maybe at first blush seem like a relatively negligible amount of, of energy as a pool, even collectively. Um, but, but again, when you take that power cost factor multiplier into account, that, that's what makes it a, a kind of a, a new animal uh, in this regard. Can you describe the flow of power from end to end, as well as the dynamics of the energy gap in 5G deployment? Sure. Um, so I like to think of uh, everything in terms of sources and loads in terms of energy. And so um, this, this would apply to something that I would refer to as the power value chain, which, which basically follows energy from generation all the way through to the end load. So as an example, um, let's say in, in the 5G network, uh, an example of the blocks in this, in this chain would be starting from generation, which is, say, you know, the power plant. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a coal-fired plant or a renewable one or, or, or whatever. Um, and then that, that outputs some, some energy, which goes through a, a, a you know, utility distribution network. Um, which makes its way into, you know, either buildings or let's say in the example of um, your, your edge device, you know, your, your smartphone or your little wireless sensor network thing um, that's serviced by a base station, right? So, so the, the, the energy flow goes through the, um, through the utility grid into the base station uh, and, and through its, um, you know, its, its, its power amplifier and other blocks to then output um, a, a transmitted wireless signal from, from its output antenna, which is then received wirelessly by the device at the edge uh, and, and then, of course, consumed um, in that load. So, so that is the end-to-end -end power value chain for, um, say, an a, a edge device like that on a, uh, on a wireless network. Now, if we said, um, for instance, what about a, 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 um, a server in a data center, right, um, that, uh, you know, maybe we wanted to characterize the load in that as, say, like a CPU or, you know, or memory or something in a system that sits in a data center um, that's, that's ultimately consuming the energy. So from there, it's, it's the same uh, blocks on the front side, you know, goes from the power plant through distribution into the building. But now uh, within the building, it may go through some, you know, perhaps some energy storage, some backup, something like, you know, battery system, UPS, something like that, uh, uninterruptible power supply. Um, and then it goes to the, the IT equipment racks uh, where, where that uh, typically AC uh, power uh, or voltage is then converted by some kind of, uh, you know, front end power supply or bulk power supply or, you know, AC to DC or rectifier or silver box, whatever, you know, whatever buzzword people like to use. Um, and that's converted into DC that's used by the system, right? And then there's usually a series of DC to DC regulators that will then convert you know, uh, from from higher voltages to lower voltages that are requirements for all the system loads and ASICs, such as um, CPU and memory and FPGAs and things like that. So, um, 
and in that case, there are more conversion stages, uh, uh, voltage regulation, you know, converter stages, and therefore, you know, every stage of whether it's conversion or distribution or whatever has some loss associated with it. And so that would be the, the, the power value chain to go from, say, a CPU and a server back to the power plant. So do you believe the utility industry's evolution to a smarter grid will address this challenge? Um, yeah, I, I think somewhat. Uh, I mean, certainly every day more more hooks are put in there uh, for enabling uh, what I refer to as intelligent power management. Uh, so that means both hardware and software hooks um, are, you know, are enabling features um, in equipment that, that allow, you know, not only the reporting of information and, and telemetry data that can be aggregated up all the way from that, you know, load level from, you know, from, from a subsystem level. So say from a, a CPU or, 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 you know, data storage or, or networking stuff and within the server and to, uh, to the system level to know how much, um, you know, the piece of equipment uh, or the, or the, you know, the radio unit or whatever is consuming um, up to even, you know, say a rack level and a, or a regional level or data center level. And, um, and so it, it's one thing to just um, feed that information back up um, kind of as a one-way telemetry indicator. But then the other great thing is now we can take that information, uh, perform analytic analysis on it, and then we can use it uh, to do all kinds of great things. So, and that can range from enabling, say, um, you know, a, a business case analysis. For instance, maybe uh, you just want to optimize your utilization uh, based on the dynamic price of the real-time energy markets. So knowing how much you're, you're consuming and, and where um, regionally you're consuming it may, uh, and knowing what the, you know, how the price of, of energy is changing um, in the near term may cause you to shift some of that load from one place to another um, as, as, as purely a cost optimization of, um, of OPEX, of uh, operating expense. But, but you may also take some of those analytics and realize that you can more intelligently manage the power within systems. So you feed that information back into the system to make decisions and, um, and changes in real time um, to the way uh, perhaps the power is allocated um, either within a, you know, a building or a data center or even within a system. Uh, to, to make sure that you're 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 optimally um, take, you know maximizing your your energy efficiency um, from the system level all the way up to you know perhaps the regional level if you're there's a a lot of uh, energy involved. You say there are critical points in the 5G network that are ideal for techniques to optimize energy use. Where are those points? I usually look for the you know the opportunities within the network to kind of break them down of all the, the network constituents and and then see and prioritize them by, uh, you know, kind of what's the lowest hanging fruit. One, one, where can you have the most impact? And two, just which block in that network has the biggest impact to the global uh, energy footprint, right? And so uh, luckily, 
both those things happen to fall within the same block uh, in the network, in my opinion, at this point. And that falls in the base stations. Um, so, you know, today, if you look at the, the global energy footprint for all, um, you know, ICT or telco or, you know, communication networks, however you want to refer to it, um, that full power pie, uh, and that includes everything that touches the network from, you know, from data centers to even the, you know, UEs, user equipment, which is essentially the, you know, like your smartphone and everything on the edge. If you add all that up, 60 to 80% of all that energy is consumed right in the base station due to the, you know, mostly horrible efficiency of the linear power amplifier in that base station. So that says that, you know, of all the blocks in this network and, and, and in that power value chain that, um, you know, far and away the largest consumer is the obvious place to, to start for focusing on improving energy efficiency in those. Now, uh, what's also very fortunate for us, um, particularly as we look forward to 5G and more of a migration to small cells um, and heterogeneous networks or, or het nets, um, is, is that um, as cells get smaller, you can essentially, uh, um, you know, their, their opportunity to employ intelligent power management techniques uh, becomes uh, better right and, and and more amenable so um it's kind of a general rule of thumb um you know the smaller a, a, a device or system or whatever is you know the, the lower its 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 power budget will be you know or its energy footprint and therefore makes it more uh, manageable so like today you know we work on mostly a macro cell model where there's a big tower um that consumes you know many, many kilowatts, um, and it services a greater area and number of users and, and whatnot. Um, but, but because of that, you know, you can't just turn power on and off very quickly on, on those things. And, and typically, the, you know, it never fully goes off. Um, but there's kind of known traffic patterns, and they essentially try and adjust the, the, the energy that's being consumed in there, in that base station, um, you know, based on known traffic patterns. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, a time when it's used more, they, they turn up the power and in the middle of the night when it's not used as much, they try and turn it down. Um, but, um, when you go to smaller cells, um, and things that are, you know, talking about, you know, have power budgets on the order of, you know, a hundred watts or, or less as, as, you know, as the cells get smaller, um, ideally, someday even getting into, you know, things like pico cells and, and all that where these small cells will, um, you know, run on, on ones of watts, um, that, that you can actually turn those on and off within, say, milliseconds or tens of milliseconds. So there's a lot of great features in the, uh, the kind of the, the 5G um, technical spec, which is actually the, the 3G PP standard, uh, that will um, enable more intelligent power management and the ability to shut things on and off quicker. And ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you know, I always say there's, there's nothing more efficient than something that's off. And, um, and then the second most efficient thing is something that, that's operating at its optimal point on its efficiency load curve. So um, that, that's why that's, I think, the, not only the, the biggest consumer, 
but also one of the best opportunities. Um, and, and as I mentioned previously, you know, the ability to apply energy harvesting techniques to supplement energy budgets of devices at the edge should also be hugely enabling to reducing the, 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 um, the burden on the base station and, and therefore, um, you know, mitigates a lot of that uh, very high power cost factor um, energy requirement. Um, and the only other thing I'd, I'd like to mention in that is, um, you know, for opportunities for savings within the, within the base station is, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, the, the linear power amplifier, the LPA, um, is typically the, the, the worst part, the lowest efficiency part of, of that base station. So the reason base stations in general consume 60 to 80 percent of the global energy footprint is because the the, uh, the what is typically a linear power amplifier that's used has uh, efficiencies at best. You're lucky if you're in the double digits. So you know we're talking about 10, 12 percent efficient. So that means for for your wireless transmission, um, you know 80 to 90 percent. Uh, typically, well, actually more like 90, 90 plus percent of, of that energy is just being lost to, to heat in the base station. And so therefore, just even just a maniacal focus on improving the efficiency of power amplifiers in the base station is the overall single best place to focus on for improvement, um, has the most room for improvement, and also would have the most impact on the global footprint. And uh, to that end, I know there are some folks uh, who are really focused on that, including some that are actually involved with, uh, with our initiative and our, um, you know, and even our, our energy efficiency working group uh, to, to really, uh, really move the needle in that regard. So does power efficiency return power directly to the user? Not really. It's more like, uh, it's more really in a way of mitigating um, uh, generating a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of extra energy. So in other words, you know, we, we talked about how um, if I have to source my energy requirement at the edge from the, um, from the power plant or whatever, I have to pay that very high power cost factor that's, you know, 10 to the fifth, 10 to the sixth. Um, but if I simply can supplement some of that, uh, that micro power at the edge, uh, then I can, uh, at the device itself, then I can, I can reduce the burden on the base station for the amount of power it needs to transmit. And so therefore, um, you know, my power cost factor at the edge is, is really almost nil, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a factor of one because you're, you're self-generating it right there and you're not paying for it upstream. So by being able to do that, it's essentially you're relieving the, that base station and everything upstream in the power value chain up to the, you know, the grid and the power plant. Um, and that's really the, the true value. Um, cause for one, if, uh, if, if what I'm hypothesizing about the 5G energy gap is true, then this isn't just about, you know, a convenience to the user saving some load. It, it could be the difference between, you know, the utility grid being able to support the 5G network or being, you know, perhaps destabilized or at worst, you know, going down 
Um, and so, you know, there's a, a very indirect impact to, to everyone, uh, whether they're using the network or not. I mean, imagine a scenario where because you deployed a whole bunch of, you know, little tiny sensor networks and, and endpoints locally that it causes the local, you know, utility grid to be destabilized or go down and people lose power to their homes. That's, that's not just um, talking about quality of service for your 5G connection. Um, you know, now it's, oh, I don't have power to the home, and, and now that's a really serious issue. So, um, you know, and, and even even people who don't even know what 5G is, um, you know, all, all they will know is they're getting um, impacted in a serious way because they're, you know, because their, their power goes down. Um, and so, you know, even if they're not aware of it, um, addr proactively addressing that issue and mitigating it with something like energy harvesting, you know, does provide them that value and the, uh, you know, the sparing them of the hardship of losing power and, and all that. Um, from a direct kind of power bill savings perspective, um, it's more like, you know, uh, again, uh, supplementing that budget at the edge. Um, it, it, it's just what you, it's just what you prevent from being uh, have to be generated uh, that that the real benefit uh, ripples through to the whole network, and you know hopefully people would also argue that you know there's there's a benefit of of saving and mitigating major generation also ties directly into um, you know mitigating uh, carbon generation um, as well as all the other uh, you know ancillary uh, environmental um, as well as business and technical factors that uh, that go into that clearly this is a complex subject where can people go to learn more uh well there's there's several resources um one great thing just uh around this 5g energy gap thing in particular there was a, an article that i wrote that i put in the um the ieee power electronics uh, quarterly magazine in the december issue uh which is out there and uh, free and open to the public um which you can just you know go to I just go to Google and put in um, my last name and 5G energy gap or something like that. It'll be easy to find. Um, and I think more importantly, um, within the uh, the IEEE Future Networks Initiative, uh, there is a road mapping effort. And, um, and, and we've recently kicked off uh, an energy efficiency working group, uh, which is which is ultimately – uh, tasked with, you know, comprehensively um, putting together all this information, uh, as, as identifying the problems, the solutions, and, and all that with a um, kind of three, five, ten-year roadmap outlook. So that recently, that has just kicked off. As a matter of fact, this Friday will be the first meeting of that working group. Um, but initially, we have a white paper that we're uh, working on putting together um, that will be distributed by the initiative in the near future. So um, if you also just look up uh, or, or Google uh, IEEE um, INGR, the, uh, I believe it's the International Network Generation Roadmap, uh, and then you, uh, you go to that, that website uh, under the, the Future Networks Initiative, and there's plenty of resources there, including the information about this working group, um, the, the first edition roadmap, materials which are already out there and uh, freely available to the public, uh, as well as the information on, um, you know, as these things come out, like our white paper, 
Um, and, and eventually, you know, a full roadmap chapter in the second edition of the roadmap, which uh, I don't have a specific target date, but I would assume is, you know, roughly within a, a year's time frame or so. Um, and in addition to that, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's plenty of other things and areas. Um, I, I give a lot of talks in this space, um, as well as the, a lot of the, the colleagues that I work with um, in the, uh, you know, the, the, the working groups and, and, and initiatives that I've mentioned. And other than that, feel free to reach out to me. Um, my, my contact info is, is, is always out there. Uh, you do a search in Google for my last name, especially anything to do with power, energy, or whatever, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Zonstecker that will come up in that regard, certainly the only Brian Zonstecker, um, and I'm, I'm always happy to um, field information about this, enable people with information, um, you know, evangelize and, 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 and preach the, the awareness and, and points about this and, and energy harvesting. And, uh, and, and I'm always happy to, uh, to help get this important message out there and uh, internalized and understood by the industry. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IEEE Future Networks podcast with the experts. Discover more about the IEEE Future Networks initiative and inquire about participating in this effort by visiting our web portal at futurenetworks.ieee.org.